0: Lawyers often make other lawyers' lives difficult, but the tribulations are nothing compared to what pro se litigants might bring. She
1: had to be allowed to lie in an air mattress in the middle of the courtroom to uh, do her cross-examination.
0: I'm Stephanie Francis-Ward, and on today's ABA Journal podcast, we're discussing how you can keep things professional and get the best result for your clients when opposing counsel does not have a law license. This ABA Journal podcast is brought to you by Westlaw Next, the legal research platform chosen by over 40,000 legal organizations for the tradition of editorial excellence combined with the most advanced technology. Learn more at westlawnext.com. Joining me are Justice Lee Ward-Sears, a retired Georgia Supreme Court Chief Justice who is now a partner of Schiff Hardin, Evan Leffler, a Seattle lawyer who has a landlord tenant practice, and Deanne Medina a legal aid lawyer who runs the Northern District of Illinois Pro Se Program. But first question was, I will have for all of you off, Justice Sears, if you could take this first. If you're dealing with a pro se litigant who is being completely unreasonable, how can you as opposing counsel ensure that you remain reasonable?
2: Well, the first thing, that's a, that's a very, very good question. The first thing is, that you just have to decide that you are going to remain reasonable. Uh, a lot of pro se litigants, they fumble and bumble, and um, some don't know what they're doing and some take the advantage of being a pro se. It appear as if they don't know what they're doing. I've noticed over the years that the most successful lawyers dealing with pro se never lose their temper, um, stay calm, let the court handle any problems. If there's a problem, you bring it to the attention of the judge and let the judge handle it. Okay. And, Deanna, what do you think? Uh, what we
3: find in our program is the biggest frustration for pro se is they don't, just don't understand the procedural process of what they need to be doing. And sometimes just taking a minute and explaining this is the process, this is the rule, um, and this is why I'm doing what I'm doing, that, that that can be really helpful.
0: Are there times, though, that you might tell the person like three or four
3: times is it hard to get them to hear it or to accept it perhaps Well, I think I'm in a different position because they're coming to me for advice, but yes, absolutely, there are some people that just don't understand the process, the procedure. Um, they're going to listen to me probably more likely than a pro or than a um, opposing counsel because they're coming to me for advice, but even then sometimes they don't listen to me either, but I do find that that's i just I, I just find that that's the biggest frustration for most pro ses okay
0: and Evan, what do you think?
1: Well, uh, as the opposing party uh, that has to deal with a pro se party, uh, there's some ethical concerns involved, Uh, at least in Washington. I believe it's the same for all states that uh, Rule 4.3 of the uh, Rules of Professional Conduct has a comment on dealing with unrepresented persons. And uh, the, the thing that the lawyer has to be careful about is you must not, say anything or do anything to imply that you are uh, not or that you are disinterested. So I frequently get phone calls or maybe I'll be at the courthouse and the pro se party is asking me, well, how do I do this or what do I do now? And probably the most common question I get is, how do I file an answer to this complaint? and you have to be careful i mean um you can't give legal advice and you must make it clear that you cannot do that and i have frequently stated i you're going to have to get a lawyer uh and i'll um ab- about as far as i'll take it is i'll explain to them you've received two documents a summons and a complaint and the answer to your question is actually in the summons and you know show them where the language is or read it to them but other than that you have to be Uh, very careful about that because it's uh, improper and it's not fair either to your client or to the pro se who may feel that you're kind of helping them out a little bit and then they get resentful and uh, rightfully upset when uh, you use the information uh, or they feel like you used information they gave you against them in, uh, in a subsequent hearing.
0: Well, keeping all that in mind, do you find that being kind to the person as much as you can will pay off down the road?
1: Yes, I do. That it is, uh, as a young attorney, I, uh, it was generally my strategy, or I would just lose my temper and say right back to them whatever they said about me uh, or my ancestors. And. I quickly learned that just uh, playing that game was not professional it didn't help me it didn't help me in the eyes of the court and uh, or in front of my clients so I would for the most part ignore it now and uh, just go and uh, uh, either try and diffuse the situation or uh, just let the person be angry to me in front of the judge most of the time the judge will take care of it and remind them don't you know don't uh make personal remarks to counsel not always a couple of times uh, I've had to uh say to the uh remind the court that look you know uh opposing party is taking shots but uh and and usually at that point they will take over and allow it to or make it stop
2: you've got to be careful uh, I mean civility is 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 very important but you have to be careful with pro se's because I've noticed over the years that they tend to be more likely to file um, sanction motions, uh, appeal grievances. That w- in our court, we call, often call them frequent fl- filers because they were just constantly filing. And, they, and if you're a lawyer, and if you've, if you've not made your, it made it really clear what your role in in a matter is. That is to say that you don't represent them; that you represent the other side, you could end up all wrapped up in, in bar complaints and that sort of thing. So you should be kind, but you have to be very clear uh, that you cannot and will not give them legal advice and uh, perhaps recommend that they get a lawyer and and, and, and uh, make it clear that you can't even re- uh, make a referral of a lawyer to, to them.
1: I teach a a CLE on this on occasion with a friend of mine and uh, my friend uh, he recommends that uh, you every written communication with a pro se litigant is to remind them and uh, and make the following points one I'm not your lawyer two I represent Jane Doe the other party and I'm going to assist her in obtaining the following relief against you I cannot I will not give you legal advice and if you want to consult with a lawyer Here's a way to find a lawyer, like maybe go to the uh, the state bar website or a referral service. Uh, I have struggled a lot with uh, the other comment that you made, though, about making uh, referrals. That I and uh, I've been challenged on this. That if I make a referral to, say, an attorney who I know to be an excellent attorney who may know, uh, you know, what's wrong with my case, my client will resent it. On the other right. hand, if I send the uh, uh a pro se to a lawyer that I believe is not very good or completely incompetent, um that uh pro se will resent it believing that I sent them to somebody who was competent. So generally what I do is I say, you know, here are a couple of places where you can find attorneys, but I won't represent or or recommend, rather, any particular
3: lawyer.
0: Let's back up a bit to what um, Ed was talking about. You mentioned about bringing issues to the judge, and I'm going to ask this question to Justice Sears first. If you don't think the judge is handling things in a way that's in your client's best interest in terms of an issue with a pro se litigant, what's your advice on raising objections or maybe handling it other ways to get the result you want for your client in court?
2: Gosh, uh, well, the first thing I would do is, is is try to get the judge to understand the, the, the limit that you're in and, and maybe uh, uh, a status conference or uh, a chat, well, of course, with the pro se, would be important to let the judge be very aware, aware that you're frustrated. And this is a very hard job. Sometimes just judges just aren't tuned in to the fact that, uh, what you're going through. Uh, otherwise, you know, I can't tell you. I, I really wouldn't. I'd be uncomfortable making a, an across-the-board recommendation because it would. De- it depends on the case. You know, how many objections to make, whether to object all the time, and also pro se's are so different. Some pro se's really don't know what's going on, and the the stakes are not so high. Some uh pro ses uh are extremely sophisticated uh know exactly what's going on may not be attuned to the procedure of the of the of the of the uh, of the court, but definitely are very smart and know what's going on so uh, it would it would depend on the case
0: okay um do you think and maybe this doesn't come up a lot in your practice evan but do you think if you have a pro se litigant against opposing counsel, is it harder to preserve the appeal?
1: Uh, no, but you have to be disciplined about the way that you approach the case, and um, and this also will depend on the part of the, uh, the landlord. And if I can indulge in another uh, war story, I did a case last year. Uh, eviction case takes about uh, a month at the most. This case took six months. The tenant was a pro se, and she filed uh, some 400 exhibits with oh, <laughs> over 3,000 pages um i was uh, and it was a, a county about 100 miles away so i was commuting up there with a big box of uh, of her exhibits and they were just a mess and uh the judge um this particular judge i have long said is one of the best judges in the state if not the best and he made sure that we were uh had a very careful record and uh really required the tenant to uh properly introduce uh, exhibits uh, into the record and uh, when they weren't properly introduced he uh, would give her a little bit of leeway to um, to get them properly introduced uh, uh, he made absolutely sure that I made my objections uh, on the record the way that the book says that you're supposed to, I mean he would yell at me when I didn't stand and button my suit jacket first and, uh, and let uh, the pro se get away with quite a bit, and it all worked out to the benefit of my client because when we got uh, the ruling, he noted here are the he, he had like a page of here are all the reasonable accommodations that uh, the um, pro se defendant requested, and uh, the court granted every one, and he did. And the reason why it took six months is because she uh, continued to ask for uh, continuances and um, she was claiming various disabilities. She had to be allowed to lie in an air mattress in the middle of the courtroom to uh, do her cross-examination because um, uh, she wasn't feeling well that day. And he uh, uh, made a record on his own to make sure that the record was good in case of an appeal. And actually... Um, the defendant surprised everybody by not filing an appeal, which we all fully expected based on what she had done uh, to that point.
0: Deanne, you mentioned that most of the people you work with are plaintiffs. What are the most common areas in your court that you see pro se litigants?
3: Well, in, in Illinois, it's employment discrimination um, just because our state laws are not great. Um, so the federal laws tend to be the ones that uh, most employment lawyers want to file under. So um in our program um I think statistically it's it's about seventy to seventy five percent are going to be um you know under some form of employment discrimination, and then second to that is going to be um nineteen eighty three um you know constitutional violation cases um, i I think statistically for the court um our particular court in chicago it, the prisoner cases are the highest number of pro se, but they we don't um our program doesn't work with the prisoner cases, so um, in our program it would be um, employment discrimination and um, the civil rights. And then in the last year, we've seen an onslaught of foreclosure cases. Um, there's a couple firms in Chicago because of some of the moratoriums we've had here on foreclosure cases. In the state court system, um, they've been coming to federal court because it's a faster process. Um, and you know it's it's cleaner, frankly. Um, so we've actually that that's been a real um, interesting thing because I know nothing about foreclosure, and you know it's it, it's been so we've been trying to do a, a lot of training, trying to get up to speed on that because that's just something we weren't um, prepared for. Well, I would imagine the rules are
0: different than they would be in state court. It,
3: it's very different. I actually that's very that's hard for
0: if you're representing
3: yourself, <laughs> right? Um, it, it's it's you know because there's all these defenses to foreclosure um and we i have to say this is really horrible to say um but i had a little fun when they were first filing because they were not following the the rules of civil procedure um and we were getting a lot of stuff stricken and dismissed um um now they have figured out what they're doing and so it's <laughs> it's gotten better but um there was i did yeah, the, a little the rules changed uh,
1: after um uh, the protecting tenants
3: at foreclosure
1: act was passed and um uh, that there were a lot of cases that just got bounced out immediately as a result.
3: Yeah, well, this was just the, the federal of civil procedure that, like, we have our own local rules. We do things strangely here on on certain motions, and they weren't following. They just weren't following procedurally, um, and so we had some fun with that. But that, but they quickly f- figured it out. So. On
0: that note, I, I'm curious, Diane, do you see situations where lawyers they might try to railroad?
3: A- yeah, it again, you know, and and it backfires on them, perhaps. But sometimes, um, I, I. It actually still surprises me um, when I see lawyers taking advantage of some of our customers. Um, I had one guy in particular that I've been working with for a couple of years, and very intelligent, um, very intelligent. In fact, I'm trying to encourage him to go to law school because he just his mind just works in such a way. Um, but to look at him, you know, you would never guess that this guy was as bright as he was. Um, he, you know, he's just. Just wasn't didn't physically come across as you know. But that could be a very good tactic if you're it, a lawyer. It, it can, <laughs> and and you know, so they sort of assumed, made assumptions about how intelligent he was based on the way he looked, and um and he has you know I mean it's it's a great case. He's argued it very well. The judge, um you know I I have found in my experience, particularly in in a federal court, that if you follow the rules. And you, you know, are respectful of the court and the court's time and the process that the judges are really, really going to do everything they can to help you. I mean, to the, to, to the, you know, the, the limited extent that they can. I mean, but they're going to be more, um, they're going to listen to you more. They're going to be more respectful. Um, I, I don't think that's true so much, in, in at least in Chicago, in, in the state court system. But um, over here, if you, if and that's what I tell people all the time: if you follow the rules and you do what I tell you to do and you listen to the judge, um, you're going to be okay. I mean, you may not win, but you're not going to get in trouble. But it, but it, it always astonishes me when when you know people will come in and say, well, the lawyer told me this, and I'm like, that's that is not. True that is not even remotely true And I'll be like well maybe that's Not what they said and they're like well here's the letter And I'll look at it and just be astonished That you know the stuff that they're Telling some of these pro se Is just out and out
2: Wrong (laughs) (laughs) Who is is Giving the advice the opposing Counsel or
3: well you know just The opposing counsel will say something like well you Can't you know you can't get damages For um, you know Compensatory damages under this statute, and it's like that's absolutely not true. Or, you know, you can't do this type of thing. Um, You know, that that's not how the rule is, and it's it's not it's 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 just bizarre. I mean, some of the things that they'll tell them they have to do, and. It's I, it's actually one firm in particular I've noticed, okay. but it's okay. sort of a trend, yeah.
1: Yeah, it could be one firm or one attorney yeah. who either doesn't know any better or is trying to gain advantage. It, they're definitely <laughs> trying to gain an advantage. <laughs> it could yeah. be they don't
3: know.
0: <laughs> no, I think they're trying to
1: get
3: yeah, I've, I've worked with this particular firm before, so I think it's they're yeah. trying to gain an advantage. So, But,
1: but I, I think uh, – I mean we can all agree that that's just unethical it
2: is, I, it is. I mean, I agree. And,
1: but you see attorneys give each other or or tell each other stuff as oh yeah, yeah. also and that's unethical but I would say <laughs> exactly. that um maltreating a uh um uh, opposing party is bad enough, but to actually uh take advantage of the fact that you're a lawyer and uh the other side is not um just uh, sort of underscores how unethical it is. I don't know if it's more unethical but uh to to the extent that you're giving legal advice and saying you should strike this because uh you're not allowed to do it. That's a violation of rule 4.3.
3: Yeah. It's 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 it it always really surprises me when I see it because I just assume, you know, most lawyers are going to follow the rules of professional conduct, but I mean, it's and, you know, it's just, it, it is, it doesn't happen very often, you know, but there are definitely moments where, or they just do something that maybe it's not a, a full on ethical violation, but it's just shady. You know, there's just something like, well, that's not really how that goes. I mean, they'll tell the pro yeah. se something that's not completely inaccurate, but really not maybe the practice of this court or the practice of, you know, this area of law or whatever. So, but there's nothing like
0: under the rules of professional conduct that they couldn't be. Shady, like you're mentioning, right? Exactly, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm curious, too, Deanne, if an attorney is in a court that has a help desk like yours and they're having problems with the pro se, would it be helpful for that lawyer to speak with
3: the person at the help desk who's been working with the pro se? I, I think it depends on the help desk. Our help desk is a true advice desk, Um we don't represent um the pro se people but we do create an attorney client relationship for the 45 minutes that they're in our office so i will not speak to opposing counsel on a case just because you know it's i can't um i think i it, it's it's not something that um you know i mean i have i have to say i have i think on maybe one or two occasions i've called opposing counsel when i've been confused by something and said what is it you know what what is this particular thing, or do you know the date for this? It's something like technical, but um when it, when it's not clear either from the record or from you know the the customer but i i in in five years or four and a half years, I've maybe done that once or twice, um, and those were on real extreme situations but i I would not talk to opposing counsel okay. Um-
0: the other thing that I wanted to ask all of you about is what is your advice on client management when opposing counsel is a pro se litigant, and how do you keep your client calm and maybe understanding that things may not go as quickly as they had planned early? Um, Justice Sears, do you want to take that
2: first? Yeah, I think the best thing to do is uh, work with your client in advance, try to explain how the process goes and, and uh uh, so that they, when they go to court, uh, they understand what's going on, so that, that, that there are no b- bad expectations, so that everything, everybody understands this is gonna. You're, we're opposed. We're with a, a pro se litigant. This might be a little bit more difficult. Sometimes the judge, uh, it might bend over backwards. You can understand this, or sometimes they won't, and you just keep the communication going. Um, so that they, you can fake uh, they stay, stay calm. Okay, Evan, would you like to add something to that?
1: I, I think um, to reiterate what Justice Sears said, it it has to do with managing client expectations. That uh, it does, sometimes it's good for your case when uh, um, you're dealing with a pro se litigant. Um, because they're practical and uh, they're not going to file a whole bunch of nonsense or maybe because they just um, have no idea what to do and they're just uh, hoping that the judge will be uh, nice to them if if um, uh, if they're nice to the judge. And uh, sometimes you have pro se's just like the same way sometimes you have opposing counsel who are uh, going to engage in dilatory uh, practice and make the case take longer. I am regularly just updating my clients on here's what to expect here's what's going on and uh, before we go into a hearing I tell my client here's you know three things that can happen we can win we can lose or the case is continued Um, and I don't know what's going to happen until the judge tells me Uh, so um, I don't necessarily treat pro se cases uh, differently than I do cases where there are attorneys involved. Um, but uh, I, I do try and keep my client uh, advised as to exactly what's happening. I mean, they'll see the pleadings when, when I get them anyway.
0: All right. And I think that's everything that I have for today. Does anyone want to add anything else? I I, I was going
1: to – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
3: I was just going to say that the, the one thing I think that um, – but I you know, because I am the sort of the pro se advocate i the one thing that I um, try to express, particularly when I speak to judges in in our district, is that you know the, the there is sort of this stereotype of what a pro se person is, and that you know I, I actually was talking to a judge one day and she said, "Oh, you know the metal or the foil hat wears the tin foil hat wears, and I was really taken aback by that because. I mean, I think there's definitely a component um, where you know you're dealing with uh, with mental illness um, a lot of the time when you're when you're talking about pro se's. But um, I think more and more, particularly as, as the economy um, has become troublesome, and you know, um, like Evan was saying, there's a lot of people that just, or I think it was Justice Sears was saying, you can't afford an attorney. You know, maybe you're you're working full time, but you're not in a position to pay for an attorney, or as Evan was saying, if you're getting evicted, that means you can't pay your rent, which means you probably can't afford a lawyer, um, that the, the assumption that they don't have a case or the assumption that they have mental illness are going to be difficult is is, is an assumption, and it's not always accurate. Um, I've, I've worked with so many people here um, that, you know, we, we see over, you know, 1200 people a year in our program, and I'm amazed at the level of competence of some of these, um, pro se. Now, and, and of course you have your people with mental illness, um, that, and I'm always amazed by that too, but, um, but there's definitely that, that stereotype, um, I think is changing and needs to change so that people understand that, you know, these are people that are, maybe they don't have law degrees, but they, they are intelligent, they are able to comprehend, certain things that they may not, they're not always going to be as difficult, um, or, you know, or maybe they are, but generally, that it's just not the same, I think, as it has been in the past.
0: All right. Well, thank you all so much for your time. I appreciate it. This ABA Journal podcast is brought to you by Weslaw Next. Conduct legal research from any device, anytime, anywhere, even offline with the award-winning Weslaw Next iPad app. Learn more at westlawnext.com.